Welcome to the Specialized Ladies. I'm your host, Bridget Jenkins. And Nikki Wheeler. Another day, another podcast, Bridget. Yeah, I'm so excited for this podcast, especially. Yes, I am feeling so excited. I I don't even have the words right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited because we are going to introduce a really great guest. We have a lot to uncover with our uh, recap segment and then our advice segment. Um, This is going to be a very filled podcast. (laughs) That's a great way to say it. We are just so excited. We have a full awesome episode for you guys today. I can't even wait to begin, but I do have a couple celebrations before we get in and also a little couple things to get off my chest. One, I said yes to the dress on Sunday. So exciting. I'm officially a lovely bride, Bridget. (laughs) You were already a lovely bride. Well, I mean like literally though, because I got my dress from lovely bride Chicago. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) like, okay, don't sell yourself short. No, but like literally and figuratively, I am a lovely bride. Oh, I love that. I'm so excited. It's the first store that I went to just going for fun because I was like, I've heard really good things about this store. Why not? And what do you know? I found the dress. That's great. Less shopping. I mean, I'm not a big shopper, so it's great. See, I am, but I just knew. It was bizarre. I just, I saw it and I I just got a little teary-eyed because, you know, and well, actually, let me re- let me rewind. I got teary-eyed when the veil was on, and oh, then I just yeah. was like, "Wow, like I it's look, real. I look like a bride." I know, I know. That's but, so exciting. But also, I do have to get this off my chest for the listeners. I don't know about you, Bridget, but like, remote learning is hard, and Ugh. I am just dying over here. I am dying. I I feel like a fresh out of graduate school SLP because. Of the amount of planning time and the the stuff I'm uncomfortable doing, the coaching of parents via Zoom, I am just, I'm faking it. I feel like I sound confident on my Zooms, but guys, I am struggling and I think a lot of people are, but it's it's a lot. I know. I And what I was saying to you earlier is that I feel like my patience has run really thin and I'm normally a very patient, calm collect my thoughts type person. I never act on emotion. I try to act on logic. Um, And that is completely out the window, people. Like, watch out because I'm like a freaking tornado coming through because like, I don't know what's going to happen next for me. I know. It's like, I need to start meditating, but you know, like frequently. I I signed myself up for yoga. Okay. I'm like, I need in-person yoga. Because I, I, I'm, I'm holding myself accountable to do my workouts and my yoga routines and my meditation routines, but I'm just like not doing them. I'm like, oh, well, I have to clean the kitchen. I have to do my laundry. I have to t- study, whatever it may be. I just find every excuse in the book to not do what I need to do. And my mental health is taking a toll. But it's also like hard to do the stuff that you know you need to do, even though you know you need to do it and you feel better after it. But I do feel like sometimes it's hard to do those things. Oh, I totally agree. I, I think now more than ever, my, my motto or one of the sayings I say is like, the less you do, the less you want to do. So oh, that's, I really, I never heard that before. It's, but it's true. When you I think about it and you reflect back on all your moments in life, the less you do, the less you want to do. And if you start working out and start pushing yourself to fit more in a day or accomplish more in a month or in a year, 
you're going to want to accomplish more the next year and the next year and the next year. But if you sit back and you're just like, oh, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that yesterday or whatever, then you won't do it. Bridget, I honestly could not agree more with you. And actually, this is such a great segue to our special guest speaker. I wish I had a better adjective to describe our guest speaker. I met this fabulous woman at a conference last year, and she was just she was just a firecracker, amazing. And her name is Mo Booty. And Mo Booty offers affordable advice and advocacy to families of those with autism and all other disabilities and special needs, providing guidance and support to navigate school districts' complex systems. She assists parents with every stage of the IEP process, ensuring that students receive a free and appropriate public education, also known as FAPE, in the least restrictive environment. Mo consults with families to determine specific educational solutions, services, and programs, as well as appropriate placements to meet students' individual needs. With over, Bridget, can you believe this, 30 years experience, Mo is a practice professional in the field of special education, providing services and support to those with disabilities and their families and school districts. She was the director of autism and intellectual disabilities at Chicago Public Schools, managing literally over 6,000 students, Bridget. Can you believe this? That's crazy. (laughs) Impressive. Mo has served as an expert witness in dozens of due process cases advocating for both the school districts and parents, allowing her to provide expert witness testimony if required. Mo is a dynamic international speaker and well-respected authority on autism, intellectual disabilities, adult services, behavioral strategies, educational supports, and more. And we couldn't be more thrilled to have her here today. Um, She's honestly one of the most well-respected ladies in the field and also one of the coolest people I know. So ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce the one, the only, Mo Booty. Aw, thank you. Wow. Thank you for coming. Of course. (laughs) This is super exciting for me. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, well, thanks for coming. We can't wait to like dive deep into this whole uh, advocacy world that you uh, know more about than us. (laughs) Yeah, you are my one of my favorite people that I have had the privilege of learning from. And when I went to your pre-conference workshop at Closing the Gap in 2019, I wish it was an in-person conference this year, but you know, we all know how that goes. But you were just so wonderful to learn from and I left using so many strategies that you taught me. Thank you. I'm so (laughs) glad. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So should we go ahead and get our questions started? For the listeners that are unfamiliar, can you your role with CPS and then also how you got into advocacy work? Great question. So um, I worked for CPS for about 17 years. So many incredible experiences. My last job was the director of autism and intellectual disabilities. And I do remember exactly how many students were there on the very last day under my kind of regime, there was 6,111. Wow. Right? So so I learned a ton from the district. And one day I just kind of thought, you know what? I think I can help more people outside the district than I can inside. And I literally just took that leap of faith. And one day I was in, the next day I wasn't. And I think I had a unique skill set because 
if you think about 6,111 students, most school districts don't even have that many children with disabilities in their entire district. So I thought, oh, wow, I can really help other districts with um, compliance and programming. And then the big thing is helping parents navigate the incredibly challenging, difficult um, system, which we call special education. So I feel, I really felt like, wow, I can do so much more outside of the district. And that's how it became. Yeah. I love that. I just feel like you have such a unique perspective because you see, you've seen both sides of the coin. You've seen the school side and now you work with the the parents, which I think you have such a unique perspective that I'm more curious about learning for, from yeah. just because that's a side we don't always, well, one, if we do see it, usually I hate to say it, it's a negative, like there's some kind of problem and that's why we're dealing more with families. So I really think you have such a critical perspective. Yeah, it's been great. I've actually been in schools where um, someone will say, oh no, there's an advocate, go tell the principal. And the principal will come in and be like, Oh, no, it's Mo Booty. We're good. And I love the fact that they know that my philosophy of education, my philosophy for children has not changed, whether I'm inside or outside of the district. I'm always putting children first, and I would never, ever advocate for anything that I truly myself don't believe is the right thing to, to advocate for. So that, that was kind of, I think the first time that happened, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a true thing though. I mean, if there's an advocate, you're like, oh my goodness, like we have to be on top of our game, but really it's, we should already be on top of our game. I know that's the most frustrating part about this is that it's just like, you should always be on top of your game. <laughs> like even if an advocate is coming in or not, just get your shit together. Your your first priority is helping the kids and that is how it True. always should be. And as long as you're doing the right thing, I think the advocate will notice that. And I think you can share, shed more light into that. But I think some part of us always feels like a little nervous when someone's watching what you're doing, I suppose. I have to be honest. The biggest thing is transparency and honesty. So even if, I, I remember I was at an IEP meeting and they, um, SpeechPath did a, an assessment that was actually way outdated. And she said that, like, wow, you know what? I realized I did, I think it was the OWL. It's an owl. It's the owl. And the owl, like, one. And now they're on the owl three or whatever it was. Yeah, but yeah. she was completely transparent and, and shared that. And, and then it's not an issue. Then it's a conversation, right? So that's, that's what I always think. Like, if you're transparent and honest, who cares if an advocate's here? Well, and for those speeches, that is the oral, written, and language skills that you are referring to. Fantastic test. Please get the updated version. <laughs> anyway, um, so Mo, for listeners that are unfamiliar, can you please briefly describe the IEP and why it's so important? Yeah, so the IEP, Individual Educational Program, is a legal document that really draws the plan of a specialized plan, individualized for a student that meets their unique needs and determines where their deficits are, what their needs are, and then designs what specialized instruction, supports, and services they might need to make progress in the general ed curriculum. Whoa, that was a lot of words. Um, 
basically, it's a contract with the district of here's what we promise we're going to do to help your child who was determined as a child with a disability to make progress and gains in the general ed curriculum. That's that's in an easier terms. I love that. I I know. I mean, I plan IEP plans are the most important thing for kids that are struggling or have learning differences. Now that they say learning differences versus learning um, difficulties. What was the old word? Was it difficulties? Yeah, I think it was difficulties. I'm not sure. I mean, Bridget, actually, I don't know. Are we okay with saying that you had an IEP? I did, yeah. So that for those Sorry, that don't I guess know, we said it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for those that don't know, I had an IEP plan, um, and that was developed at a young age. I don't remember not having one. I always had one. Um, I think for me, it definitely helped with making sure that I kept up to speed with everyone else. Um, and even to this day, even through my college and my master's program, I kept it up. I think like as I got older and more confident in my learning and how to advocate for my learning, I didn't really need it as much. Um, but I was like, I'd rather have it than not. I feel like it's easier to say I need it oh, and ha- have it than say I don't, once it's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. Well, and I think one thing you're referring to, just from knowing you, um, you probably had certain accommodations, which is a section of the IEP, which is very important. And some of an example of an accommodation might be extended time on testing or perhaps um, choices read out loud or things like that. And those are critical for success of our learners. For sure. And I think people that are don't really know an IEP plan or don't know what it's like to have an IEP plan. They think, why do they get those accommodations? Um, it's not fair that like they get a separate room. It's not fair that they get extra time. That it's not fair like they get a reader, whatever. Um, no, we're just evening the playing fields. Yeah, it's it's just evening the playing fields. I it takes me longer to read a question than it does the average person. So I think. For me, it's only fair for me to get extra time on exam. So if anyone out there is like, I wish I had that. Well, I, you know, taking extra time to read a question is, it's tough. (laughs) Yeah, so my fiance also has dyslexia. And that is one thing he struggled with as well. He said, it just takes me longer to read. It takes me longer to get there. What might seem so easy for you, even like, He'll probably be so mad at me for sharing this, but in his line of work, the most challenging part of his job, you are just going to die. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. What What do you think it is? Take a guess. Writing emails. It's writing emails. How, oh my God. <laughs> Like, seriously, because he said just he doesn't want to screw up the grammar. He doesn't want to omit those little article words like a and the spelling, misspelling there, like things like that in his professional line of work. And you wouldn't think about that. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's crazy to hear that perspective. So I, yeah, I, I feel like from being on my side and then having such people I love, like you and Carl in my life, I love hearing about those things. Yeah, I know for myself, that's something I struggle with <laughs> is writing emails. Like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm less intelligent than the person next to me writing the same email. And if they're going to base me off of my email, I make sure I look at that email over and over and over and over again. I obsess about it because I just don't want something like that to go out and someone's like, oh, 
she's not intelligent. She's not professional. I don't want to work with her. And it's like, no. This is not scripted. I did not tell Bridget the answer, by the way. Like, this is, I'm not kidding. I am, like, amazed that you know that. <laughs> well, that's how I feel. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Okay, Mo, moving on to the next question. I know in your business you work very closely with parents. What would you say is the most common problem or challenge that the parents are encountering during this remote learning time? So what a great question. So there are actually two things that totally stand out to me. So one of them is access. So when people hear access, they think that means you have a computer and high-speed internet. No, access that I'm talking about is the child's ability to take in and process the information, the instruction, and make gains with it. Our, many of the students with more significant disabilities are really struggling with that access. So that computer giving them the information versus a person versus manipulatives that they're putting their hands on versus that kind of instruction, they're really struggling. We're calling it access. And our response we've been getting from the district is, do you need faster internet? And I'm like, no, that is not what access means. So, so that's one big thing. And the second one is going to, I don't know if it's going to shock you. It kind of shocked me. So parents are now having the opportunity to get a bird's eye view of what their child is learning in class. And that's an excellent it, point. Yeah, right? So how many parents have never stepped foot in their child's room? And that's in like firsthand seeing how they're yep. interacting with the material. So what they're finding, and I'm going to say it's well, first of all, let me back up and say when I said, when have they ever been in the classroom? That's no judgment because why do parents, they wouldn't have any reason. It's to, not coming. Yeah. yeah. So now they get this bird's eye view and I'm finding this more with children with more significant disabilities. They're literally saying, what is going on? There is no rigor. The low expectation, my child is not learning actual academics. And I'm shocked to get this feedback. Like, so, and, and again, most of this is with children with more significant disabilities, but they are shocked and they are disappointed and they are frustrated because they're saying, my child's not getting a real education. This is not reading, writing, math, social studies, science. Like, why are these expectations so low? And I was very surprised to hear that feedback from parents. But what I think is great is now you really, really know what's going on. So now we can have a more, I don't know, robust conversation about what your expectations are um, and more input, I guess, in the process. Yeah. You know, so um, I am a tutor for a pod situation right ah. now. It's four <laughs> girls. They're in first grade. Aww. Um, I do it for four hours a day. I'm tutoring all of them, but basically I'm, I'm like a glorified IT slash tutor, making sure that they're getting yeah. everything done. Like, okay, you're logged in, you're teacher, you're with your teacher yeah. and whatnot. Don't forget to mute. <laughs> but you know, the one thing that I've noticed the most is how different 
everyone's learning. So one girl is like super, super advanced. Mm. And then the other's one girl that is, you know, I would say probably at her grade level, but it's just when you're comparing it to someone else, you're like, that's, and I'm thinking it's giving me a taste as being a teacher, right? Like I'm, I'm like, wow, could you imagine having a classroom? And then one kid is just like, I mean, has to be like three to four grade levels above. And then there's uh, another kiddo that's maybe three to four grades level below. How do you teach that? It's like a self-contained classroom, Bridget. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah, get it. And the challenge not those students, but my just what you were describing was sure. Right. Yeah. So in person, it is slightly easier because you actually can manipulate the materials. Online, it is harder. So so I do yeah, it's definitely a challenge, but it kind of broke my heart when I got dozens of parents literally call me to say, do you know what they're teaching my kid? Nothing. And I just say, oh, tell me more. Tell me more. Let's get specific. Um, What is it that that you see that's not right? What do you see that's working? What do you, you know? So we have those conversations, but it does break my heart a little bit just to hear them have that first time where they're really, you know, getting a glimpse of what actual instruction is for their child. This week's episode is a two-part series with Mo Booty. Next week will be part two. I want to thank Mo Booty for coming on today and talking about her company, Advocate and Instructional Experts for People with Autism. A-I-E-P-A. You can check out her website at aiepautism.com. And I look forward to seeing you all next. Now on to our advice segment and recap segment. Now moving on to our recap segment, we're going to recap Love on the Spectrum. Um, We're going to just do an overview of the whole season itself um, and some highlights, our thoughts, uh, and whatnot. I'm going to start with my favorite part was Maddie. I think she was such a breath of fresh air. She was just so adorable with her, like, input on life. Um, she when she was dating that guy that was the paleontologist, at, Mark, Mark, <laughs> at the zoo, she was just so cute. She was just you know has a very honest way of approaching the dating world, and I, I mean, I really did feel empathy towards Mark. I just felt like he was misled, misguided, and his feelings and intentions weren't taken as well as I think that they should have been, but I think Maddie's just so cute. She's just, like, so funny and and personable and, you know, owns who she is, and I feel like that's a quality that all of us can appreciate and learn from. Yeah, this show was just a dynamite show, and I'm sad that of course, this is the day. I think it's the last day we're going to be recapping it. But it's an amazing show. And for those of you that haven't watched it, it's really it's a quick binge, binge-worthy show. My personal favorite was Kelvin. Um, he's a young man on the spectrum. And you see him navigate the dating world. And I just love his pure honesty. And when they're on dates, and he'll say, I really loved how he said things like, oh, you don't want to be my my girlfriend? You don't see me romantic? Or, you know, you got to love just the pure honesty of 
these individuals and it's a it's something I think we almost need a little bit more in our neurotypical life these the I love how there's no filter where there's I don't even yeah and that's how I I reflect back on dating it myself and I'm just like you know a quality that I could really use a lot more of is just honesty like how are you feeling in the moment? Like, are you feeling upset? Are you feeling mad? Are you feeling sad? Are you, are you into me? Or are you not? Instead of this, like, facade that's going on. Right. There's no, like, mind games going no. on in, the, in Love on the Who has time for the fucking mind games? And I will say, I appreciated that. Me too. Me too. As someone that doesn't like mind games and is very, like, transparent on my feelings and emotions... I just really appreciate when I see other people exhibiting the same. But um, the last favorite moment I had from the season was when Michael was at the comic festival mm-hmm. with, what was her name? Oh gosh, I think it was Amanda, but Amanda, I, yeah. don't quote me on that. It was Amanda. Um, he bought her that comic book that she had like been eyeing and he just gave it to her. And I was just like, that is like so thoughtful and so caring. And mind you, these are the exact same parent. This is like the same kid that the parents were like told that their kid wasn't going to have like any empathy or, um, show any emotion. And he took note that she liked this comic book and went out of his way to buy it for her. Like, oh my gosh. I know. You know, there's so many misconceptions of individuals on the spectrum. So what I I think what Bridget and I would recommend to anyone, parents, educators, just people listening to the podcast, check out this show. It's a great way to see some of the skills that we're talking about and how people on or individuals on the spectrum, they really interpret language so literally. And it's a great way to see that and to understand that. I agree. I think it would be a definitely, it's a, it's a good binge-worthy show. Yes, it was amazing. And I know we probably won't be recapping this much longer, um, but the end, the finale episode, I believe, uh, it's when a couple gets married. Do you remember that one? Yeah, it was, um, they, well, they got engaged. They got engaged. On the oh mountain. I not remember their, their names, but they were amazing. And I, my the thing I remember was about the socks. Do you remember the socks part? Yeah. He was like, navy socks, navy socks. He, he had like a different colored socks that didn't match his outfit. So they had to go out and buy new socks. But he just wanted it to be perfect because he was going to propose to her. But she had no idea. Yes, but what I loved about her reaction instead of, you know, sometimes I wonder how I would have reacted in that moment. I would have been just suck it up. We're going to, your socks are fine. I but, think I would do that. <laughs> but she said, okay, well, she knew that was he just really wasn't going to be okay without changing the socks. So they went and got new socks. And she, yeah. I just appreciated her attitude about that. I know that sounds silly when you're listening to, to like this right now, but please watch that episode. I believe it's episode five or six of Love on the Spectrum. It's amazing. It truly was just such a demonstration of true love. And I loved it. Totally. So yes, great show. And yeah, I think that's all, that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. And for the upcoming recap, I would suggest that you guys follow us on Instagram at the Specialized Ladies. Um, we will post something. We're not sure yet if it's going to be a book or a series. We're going to yeah, keep we you posted. Yeah, we figure this out. Yeah. We'll spice it up a bit. I know. We might 
change gears a little bit. It might be a book. It might be even an article. Who knows where it will keep you posted. But yeah, just follow us on Instagram um, and you'll and you'll find out. So then you're a part of our next episode. But yes. moving on to our next segment. It's it, Bridget's favorite. My favorite. <laughs> and this one, ad, this one's good. I got to say. Yes. It's the advice segment. I, I just skimmed it. I, I will, of course, read it again. But what I just want to reiterate is if you are a parent, uh, an educator, just someone listening, please write in at thespecializedladies at gmail.com. We'll be happy to please. answer. So I have our advice segment here. Let me read this. Dear Nikki and Bridget, I feel overwhelmed and do not know which problem to tackle first. I have two kids one in first grade and another in kindergarten, and my husband and I have a full t- both have full-time jobs. The kids are completing their e-learning from home, and my husband and I are both working from home. Every couple minutes, my first grader needs my attention to help with her work. I can't tell if the work is too hard for her or is she having trouble with the logistics of online learning. I need her to be more independent with her learning in order to keep, to keep up. What should I do? interesting (laughs) i know i think this is a probably a very common problem right now (laughs) um i'm just gonna start by saying e-learning has been challenging i'm gonna make a blanket statement please don't be offended if i am not if you don't agree with this but e-learning is very difficult it's difficult for everybody it's both sides of the coin educators parents children i think it's i think it's tough for sure for sure it's tough for everyone involved um i think this is a is a is a great question i think like there's two things going on a maybe your child isn't very technology savvy and b maybe she really is (laughs) struggling educationally and those are both concerns but are first graders supposed to be tech savvy I mean I don't know (laughs) I mean at this generation I feel like it comes a little bit more naturally I know kids that have like severe like on the autistic spectrum and are three years old and can get into an iPad they can get into my phone (laughs) and like work an app I'm like what how so I, I just feel like again for future reference, we love information with these questions. I mean, she needs attention. Is it because that, you know, she's distracted within the home? So my first question is, what does her home environment setup look like? Does she have a, a structured learning learning environment free from, like, excess distraction? Oh, my God, distraction, behavior like term. And- <laughs> is it overshadowing What's or masking? What does that mean? Masking means they already know the material. They know what's going on, but something's in the way of them telling you or showing you that they know it. Overshadowing is is they something's in the way of them actually learning. Hmm. And in this case, it could be either. <laughs> you know, could, it's really hard to tell. I mean, and I know sometimes, let's be real, if dependent on the lesson being taught on Zoom or whatever online platform – Sometimes if it's just a teacher talking on a screen, it's difficult to listen. And we've all been there. Sometimes I'm I'm just thinking for my own kids, like, this is kind of this is kind of dry. I need to spice this up. So for me, I think my advice would be is like kind of break it up into parts. Um, I would say, you know, take some time into really see like what parts your child understands and doesn't understand. 
alone with you and your child, aside from e-learning. Then I would see how that they handle a computer. Can they get into their Zooms on their own? Do, do mm. they need help getting into their Zooms? If they lose connection, internet connection, are they asking you for that? Or can they decipher that on their own? Um, and it, at that point, if it is a logistics problem with computers, you just got to teach it to them where instead of doing it for them, I think as parents, we're just so like, oh, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Like, get it over with. But what you're doing is like, that didn't solve anything. Next time she's going to come to you here, she's going to come to you looking for a, like help, you know? Um, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. So I maybe I mis, misinterpreted the question. So in terms of independence, that is good. Like there's going to be a lot of new sets of skills that children are going to have to learn how to mute, how to unmute, how to log onto a computer, how to mm-hmm. um, you know speak directly into the computer. And a lot of times at this young age, it does take an adult facilitator nearby or at least within close proximity. And I know that is very challenging if you're both working full time from home. So I do like your suggestion about maybe working with her maybe one time or a couple times on how to troubleshoot these things and teach these skills. Yeah. So I don't know. That's and, it, and, it, and if it is like um, learning, like you feel like your child is struggling academically compared to the ch- children that she's surrounded, he or she is surrounded by, um, I would definitely address that with the teacher. Right, and that's kind of what Mo was talking about with access earlier. Like when we say access, it's not necessarily like the technology issue. It's they may not just learn auditorily through a computer screen. Like they might need manipulatives, they might need visual supports, they might need, you know, other ways to adapt things and to interact with the material. So I feel for this parent who wrote in and there's a lot of things I think this is too hard to answer for me personally right now. I want to know a little bit more about the attention. Is it more about the technology side? Is it more about the... Well, I don't think she knows. Yeah, and I think that yeah, that's true. So I hope this advice um, helped you think about different components of what it might be. So I guess start with... Yeah, and, and, and one thing I am going to say, really what I'm counseling with a lot of my parents now is have a structured learning environment. Do not put this learning learning environment next to the toys. Don't put it next to the bed. Um, put it in a space where they are ready to learn and have them at a table or a desk in a chair, not on the floor, not on their bed, not on the couch. Um, that really does make a difference. Another thing that Mo had said that I really liked is that she was like, have them dress all the way to the toes. Yes. I like that too. And I was like, wow, you know, I think we always forget, oh, shoes, like who cares you're in the home or whatever. <laughs> but like when you have your shoes off, you have this sense of like, like relaxation, relaxation. Yes. And, and you're just kind of not really in the zone. Um, and I think, I think kids right now think e-learning is more of like a snow day. <laughs> I can see that. You know, versus like this is school. Um, and I think it just reminding them that this is, this is school. We need to put our listening ears on. We need (laughs) to sit, look, and listen. That's right. Those soft skills, again, I will reiterate this to the day I die, and especially with children with, um, some type of disability, especially on the autism spectrum, 
you need to teach them my first two weeks of therapy is always sitting looking and listening yes yes hope that was helpful everybody yeah thank you for writing in uh we really appreciate that we love our write-ins we love um especially feedback (laughs) yes we love any feedback um we especially love our five stars i would love if you guys subscribe gave us our five stars whatever um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Please, please, the please, specialized please. ladies. Please follow us on Instagram. That is our, you know, sounding board. That's where you find all, <laughs> all our about, cute pics. No, yeah, <laughs> that and just like you learn about our podcast, uh, what's coming and going. Um, but yeah, please just subscribe to that or follow us on Instagram. Also, um, our patreon is coming soon we are going to add more to that i mean you can definitely check our patreon out and you can definitely subscribe um it's patreon.com slash the specialized ladies um but there are it's it's going to be amplified soon we're going to add some extra things we're going to make it worth it if you do subscribe um it's just not right now but it's going to happen <laughs> it's a process it's like everything's a work in progress and thank you for being patient as we learn as we go and we've loved this and we love you guys so thank you again yeah, for we listening love you guys thanks for listening thanks for being a part of us we'll see you next and supporting week. us bye, bye.